Ephesians chapter number 6. I hope you're not like um, the entire Sunday school class downstairs, both teenagers and young adults, that I've said, where am I preaching from this Sunday? And they said, the Bible. <laughs> now, that, that's a good answer, and it's a right answer, but I did say last Sunday we're going to be in this same passage of Scripture. And so if you have a Rock of Ages study Bible, it's page 1659. 1659 is where we'll be, but uh, we are going to read the same verses as we did last week, and looking at verses 10 through 18, if you're willing, you're able to, let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse number 10, the Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, and in the power of His might, put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand." Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll continue preaching in Ephesians chapter number 6. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for the day that you've given to us. Thank you again for the Word of God. And Lord, we're so thankful that we can read out of it this morning, and then the Holy Spirit of God can speak to our hearts and apply it. Lord, where it's necessary. And uh, Lord, I do pray as we look and continue into this subject matter of being dressed for battle and the spiritual battle that we face on a daily basis, I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen your people. And Lord, that you'd encourage us and uh, challenge us from the scriptures. Would you do that work that only you can do? And we'll thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, we looked at these exact same verses in light of the opposition that is faced and who exactly that opposition is. When the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, we understand that the opposition that we face is none other than the devil, according to verse number 11, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Then he says principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and then spiritual wickedness in high places. And so we understand that there is a battle that's taken place. We understand that it's it's not human against human, but we as, as Christians have a spiritual battle that we are in on a daily basis. We understand that the scope of this battle, as we looked at it last week, is to affect every Christian in every area of our lives. We went back and looked at chapter number five, and when you say the scope of the battle, that it is the desire of these rulers of darkness against the, with the devil to be able to battle against the husband and wife relationship. 
and understanding that the devil will do everything he can do to be able to separate and divide a husband and wife through fighting, through arguing, whatever it may be, discontentment, unsatisfaction, the battle is there. We also understand the scope of the battle, not just against husband and wife, but against children and understanding that this whole generation has a target on them that the devil, I believe, is desiring to destroy every one of our young people. If they can't have, if he can't have their soul, he's desiring to have their testimony and uh, that they would go off and just live in the world. But listen, I believe that we can stand for the Lord Jesus Christ today. I believe that a husband and wife and children, I believe the family unit, I believe 100% can be honoring and glorifying to the Lord today. But then he goes in chapter six and starts talking about the servants and the masters, the employee and the employer relationship and understanding that in every area of your life, every day that the devil's trying to come after you. And we better have on the whole armor of God. And listen, not a one of us here today are exempt from what the devil is trying to destroy. And we understand according to the scriptures, and yes, we are shedding light on this subject matter and bringing it to the forefront so that we understand and have a reality of what is taking place. Now, I would encourage you that uh, if there's one service you can be at today, make it this afternoon. We will be continuing uh, this afternoon and... um, just to give you what's on my heart right now, um, it's it's going to be, and this this morning is too, but even more so this afternoon. If you can stay for twelve o'clock, um, it will be a hundred percent just strictly from a, a pastor's heart this afternoon. I believe we need to take care of some things from the scriptures and looking at it, some warnings and some admonition to be able to put out there. And we understand that. And we want to put that forth. We understand that the battles are taking place. But can I remind us as we move forward from the opposition that we looked at this past week that is attacking, for every battle that's taking place, there's usually a strategy and planning that goes into how to approach the battery, I mean the, the, the battle to ensure victory and to be able to win the war. And uh, I'm reminded probably the most famous one of my lifetime, and you could probably give several more, and it, it just rung out in my heart. But back during Desert War, Desert Storm, you remember when they said it was Operation Shock and Awe. Just overnight, listen, I mean, it was just shock and awe. U.S. troops showed up, and it was just, listen, we're just putting them in awe, and we're shocking them. That was the purpose and the planning to be able to accomplish that. Now, you could go back over history, and uh, if you enjoy reading on some of these things, we understand some of them, but uh, we had Operation Desert Storm. That term operation usually describes what they are desiring to do and the accomplishing of their goal. And so Operation Desert Storm, there's there going to be a storm. Here's what was specifically mentioned, a 
storm coming out of the desert. And that's why it was entitled that Operation Desert Storm. But then you can go back into World War II and you had Operation Overlord. I don't know if you've heard about that one, but when some of the troops were landing on Omaha Beach and then later on in the Iraqi War, you had Operation New Dawn. And uh, that was put in place for a while to be able to oversee the ongoing uh, operations that were over there. But then one of the most famous and definitely the largest uh, that we have record of was Operation Barbarossa. If you go back and study that in history, it was actually the, the largest movement and operation in history it took place at the beginning of World War II when Germany was invading the Soviet Union and it entailed over 3 million troops and over 3,500 tanks as they were moving forward. You say, Pastor, why are you telling us all this? To get us into the mindset of war and battle and conquest. Because I want to look at this morning, not just the opposition that we are facing that we looked at this past week, but I've entitled it this morning, Operation Stand and Quench. Operation Stand and Quench, as we look down through the, the, the scriptures here. And so over and over, there have been operations in offensive battles. Can I remind us of this? In all my research and reading, I've never once seen Operation Cut and Run. I'll get back to that here in just a little while. Never once seen Operation Cut and Run, and uh, that's not in us, especially not as Christians and definitely not as Americans. But over and over, there's been operations, and it's no different than right here in the book of Ephesians that the goal and the spiritual battles that we're facing. So I want to look at a few things, if I can, this morning. Number one, I want to look at the preparation for the battle. Preparation for the battle. You understand, you go back into the the Gospels, even the Lord Jesus Christ said in, in relation to two examples, one, no man buildeth a tower except sitting down and counting the cost and counting the materials and making sure that he's going to have enough to be able to finish it unless some people sit back and laugh at him and scoff at him. But then he also used a second illustration there and he said, no man goeth to war without counting the cost first. And understand, and we, we hear about this, that some will actually step into war and then they go and, and uh, if, if you believe this is all how it happened, I'm not sure, but one of the modern day examples is why would someone go to war and then their army tanks run out of fuel in a foreign country on the side of the road? Someone didn't count the cost. Someone didn't say we're going to get a hundred miles into this country and that doesn't have a hundred mile range and we're going to need to refuel that thing to be able to keep going. No, there is a preparation. There is a cost. There is thought that goes into facing and waging a battle and a war. And you say, pastor, what are you thinking of here? Can I say the preparation for battle is, listen, I believe we come down and it's included in this context 
context of Scripture in verses 18, as we looked at it, he said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Preparation for the battle, I believe, by, believe takes place by praying and watching by praying and watching. You say, oh no, we need to hoard all this stuff. We need to do this. You will never make more of an impact as a Bible believer in the state and the country and the economy that we live in than you will on your knees before Almighty God. You say, can we do all of this? We better be praying. I would not want to get up and stand. Now listen, And I'm going to share some things this afternoon. Did I tell you if there's one service you can be at, make sure it's the 12 o'clock today? This entire week, now it's been... It's been over and over and over. And if I told you from last Sunday to this Sunday, every little thing going on, you'd you'd sit back. Most of you would probably start laughing. But with everything that has taken place that has the potential when we're talking about spiritual warfare, can I say what it has done? And all the way up until 345 this morning, you say, Pastor, you better be spending time in prayer. In the preparation for the battle that is ahead, listen, we better be spending time. You say, Pastor, there's no battle going on in my life. Well, listen, you don't stop praying when things are going good. What would you think? And you may have to go back about 30 or 40 years to get a good example of this. But listen, when it's peacetime in America, we don't stop producing ammo. You don't stop storing things up. Listen, 2022 and 2023 excused from that example, okay? But when it is peacetime, it is a time to refortify. It is a time to strengthen. When there's a lull, when there's a little bit of rest, listen, it's time to rejuvenate and to replenish and to re-strengthen because we know that it's coming around the corner. And you may say, Pastor, I'm in the middle. Listen, we're in the middle of a bed of roses right now. I mean, the cool breeze is blowing and we're enjoying it. The wind's at our back. We're just sailing through life. It's not going to be that way in your life forever. Because the devil knows exactly when and where and how to be able to attack your life. And listen, it may be by the end of this day, you say, how can I prepare for that? You better be spending time in prayer. You better be spending some time with the Lord on a regular, consistent basis, going before the throne of grace. Listen, He said this over in Hebrews. He said that we come boldly before the throne of grace. Listen, that we may find grace to help in the time of need. It may not be right now. Do you know as well as I do one phone call, one conversation, one turn down a different road? Listen, it can change just like that. And we'll be crying out before the Lord. Listen, I want it regular between me and the Lord that I don't have to go back and catch up on things from the past month and a half. But there may be some times like Peter as he was walking on water and all of a sudden he's sinking. Everything was great as he's walking on water. 
But listen, just in the turn of the head and starts looking around, he begins to sink. Listen, he didn't have time for anything else except for to cry out, Lord, save me. Well, I'm so glad he was caught up on his prayer life. God heard him right there at that moment, reached down, was able to pick him up. They walked together on the water to be able to get back to the book. Listen, back to the boat. I I know in your life and in my life, we know that it's coming. There's not one person that's here that's naive and says you'll never face any problems whatsoever in your life. You better be spending time with the Lord. Someone once described the Christian life as you're either going into a storm or you're in the middle of a storm or you're just coming out of a storm. How many enjoy those days when you're just coming out of it? Boy, that's a blessing. You get your head back above water, and it's, it's not just right here, and you're breathing through your nose and filling up with water half the time, but you actually get your chin above water, and you can actually relax and breathe a little bit, knowing this. Listen, if you're coming out of one, there's a good possibility you're going to be going right back into one. We understand the way things are in this world. Listen, praying and watching, knowing that the battle is there. He didn't say, if it comes. It's under the assumption we know that it's coming. But then I want you to see this, and this is the entire context of Scripture that's here, even though it's just given in a matter of about three or four verses. We see the protection that's in the battle, the protection in the battle. And every one of these, I could take probably a week and just be able to preach on each one of them as we read down through here. How many remember going to Sunday school when you were a little kid back when they had flannel graph? How many know what flannel graph is? Okay. How many know what PowerPoint is? We'll we'll work our way through the generations. How many know that Sunday school lessons are just being put on DVD now and you can just watch it? Okay. But listen, flannel graph. How many remember the times when they couldn't find the, 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 the flannel graph board? So you had to take just a piece of felt. And you had to had to lay it over something just to be able to get the flannel graph to be able to stick to it. I'm not going to ask how many have flannel graph in the back back of your closet somewhere that you were teaching 30 and 40 years ago that it's still there. We've been given that over the years as we've been here at the church. Hey, I got 45 lessons worth of flannel graph. I'm thinking we don't have one flannel graph board in the church here. and uh, But listen, when we go through those flannel graph lessons, I remember vividly as they would have, as the Bible describes it here, the armor of the Lord. And they would have a soldier up there and every little piece of armor that's mentioned here in the scripture would be put up there on that flannel graph board. How many here ever taught the armor of God with flannel graph? one of the youngest people here, and she's taught flannel graph with with the armor of God. Here we go. Look what the Bible says here. He says in verse number 14, and we're going to look down through here. He says, stand therefore, look at this protection in the battle, having your loins girt about with truth. Now, I told you we could take an entire week and preach on every single one of these, but the protection, what is going to keep us in the midst of the battle is knowing that our strength comes from knowing truth. Now, when you talk about your loins, that's talking about our, 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 our thighs that are here, some of the strongest bones we have in our body to be able to carry and support the frame that we have is right here on our thigh. You get that broken? My brother, today, from back in 1998, when the ice storm came through, 
When the ice storm came through, my brother was in a tree-cutting accident, and it came and broke his femur bone on his left leg, I believe it was. At that point, he wasn't even able to stand up. He was by himself preparing to build a new house. Here it is, ice everywhere. He had to crawl and drag himself up out of there and lay beside the road in the middle of an ice storm waiting for someone to come by to be able to wave him down to be able to get some help. To this day, he still walks with a little bit of a limp that he's got from that taking place. Strongest bones in your body as, as these femurs here, and we better know that our strength comes from knowing truth, the protection in the battle. Listen, you say, why do we know truth? Because most of the time in the battle, we're just going to get told lies. And it's going to be deception. Oh, God doesn't love you or you wouldn't be going through this battle. But I know the truth. Oh, there's no end in sight as you're going through this battle. Hold on, but I know truth. And that's where my strength comes from. But then the Bible says this, yes, our loins gird about with truth, but then a breastplate of righteousness. Can I remind us of this, that even in the battle, it's still right to live right? I don't believe that there's, there's room for excuse of I'm just going through the battle and so that's reason enough and it ought to be excused that we do wrong, say wrong, think wrong, act wrong as we go through the battle. Well, God understands and I can make it right later. No, I don't believe he does. The breastplate of righteousness, which is protecting all the vital organs of our body where the very center of our life is, better be protected with righteousness. Our feet shod, verse number 15, that word shod means just simply putting on your shoes where the Bible says, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And I thought, listen, even through the battle, it's still right to hold the truth. It's still right to live right. But you know something? It's still right to be able to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, even through the battle. That's our protection in the battle. We got our shoes on. That's the gospel. We got our loins girt about with truth. We have on a breastplate of righteousness. But then he says this. He said we're supposed to have the helmet of salvation also in verse number 17. Take the helmet of salvation. Now, listen, let me remind you of this. He's already preaching. He's already writing to saved people. You say, well, why do they need to take the helmet of salvation? I believe this, because even through the battle, it's still good to remember you're saved. Oh, no, I'm going through a battle. I can't be saved. I, I must not be saved. No, if you're going through a battle, there's a, there, there's a good possibility you're going through it because you are saved. It's good to remember that we're saved. And listen, all of this, two other things as we come down through here. First of all, the Bible says the sword of the Spirit, excuse me, come back, the shield of faith, verse number 16, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. You say, Pastor, is that protection as we go through the battle? Yes. Don't lose faith. Don't lose faith as you go through it. Don't lose faith and say, well, God's abandoned me and there's, there's no God and I can't continue on. No, remember you're saved. 
Hold on to the truth that you know. It's okay to continue to give the gospel out. Hold on to the shield of faith. Do not let it go. Keep the faith while you're going through the battle. And then he said, and the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God, the Bible says. Can I say this? When you're going through the battle, don't give up on the word of God. Don't say, well, there's nothing in there for me. No, there's a whole bunch of stuff in there for us. Protection in the battle. Now, when I say this, listen, there, I've never read about Operation Cut and Run. Do you understand? And it's been said before, every bit of this armor, listen, is this side. Every bit of it. The breastplate of righteousness, listen, our loins gird about with truth, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, it's all protecting. Do you know what a sword's for? It's not for defense, by the way. It's an offensive weapon. Now, yes, I'm going to block some things with a sword, but I can say this. When we're in the battle for the Lord and you know it's coming, you've been praying, you've been watching, you know that it's coming, you know what it's time to do? It's time to face it. After all, we've got the shield of faith. We've got the sword of the spirit. I've got the helmet of salvation. I know I'm saved. I've got the truth. I'm ready with the gospel. I'm marching forward. I'm not turning around and running. You say, well, I'm just one that loves to run to fight another day. And I I said this last week, listen, I'm not one to get up and pick a fight. But if it's necessary, I'm not running from it either. And there's battles each and every one's going to face. And I'm talking spiritual battles. Now, your battle is not with the person next to you. Can I say that again? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but understanding who our opposition is and that God has given us what we need for protection in the battle. We need to prepare for the battle the protection in the battle, but then can I simply give us this this morning? What's our purpose of the battle? What's the purpose of the battle that comes our way? Can I say, I don't get into a battle unless I'm fighting to win. The purpose of the battle is to win it. Purpose of the battle is victory. Fight to win. You say, well, I don't don't know about that. Can I just give you a little pet peeve of mine right now? And if my kids were small enough and I'm taking them to a soccer game or a basketball game or something like this, when we go home, I'm not telling them no one won. I'm not telling them, oh, everybody gets, no. I I, I explained when, when Peter got his first participation trophy. Everybody gets a trophy. I'm like, you can put that behind the first place one, by the way. Now, listen, if you don't think the opposition is out to win, then we're misunderstanding who our opposition is. Do you understand that the fight spiritually that we're in is for your very testimony, your very marriage, your very family, your life, and it is outright destruction that they are desiring upon your life. Now, listen, it's not the people driving up and down the road. You say, yeah, I was at a march for life and boy, they were protesting us. No, they weren't protesting. They protest what we stand for. They'll protest truth, 
They'll go against those things, but it's not us personally that our fight is with them. We understand, listen, when we get into the fight, we get into it to win. Stand. I told you last week as we looked at it, how do we know when we've won the victory? You're still standing. Last one standing. I know there's battles that have been fought like that. And listen, that's why, can I explain it this way? That's why when someone has won a battle over someone else, what does the loser do? They bow down. They kneel down. You know why? Because the victor's left standing. Do you know what the Bible says here? That you put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand. And then when we read it up there in verse number 13, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. What's the purpose of the battle? Is to stand and quench and win. You say, but pastor, they're stronger than me. This world out there and the wickedness, listen, over and over and over throughout the scriptures, we're told that the battle's not ours, but the battle is the Lord's. And then we're reminded that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And you may say, well, you serve one of those Jesuses that that got defeated on the cross. And he died and Satan won that day on the cross. I don't believe that word defeated means what you think it means. They might have been taking a victory lap for about three days saying, we got him. It's over. No, the problem is for Satan, it was finished three days before he knew it was finished. And then Jesus gets up and walks out of that grave and all that the devil will know from now for eternity and beyond is nothing more than defeat because of Jesus. Now listen, that's who we have fighting for us. We've read the back of the book. He wins. Not we. (laughs) He wins. And we understand that and we know that. So can I encourage you, listen, parents, stand in your homes. It's okay to take a stand in 2023 and say this is what our family is going to do. Listen, husbands and wives, would you stand for your marriage? Would you not let it go down without a fight and without standing for it? Because there's things that are worth fighting for today. Stand for it. Children, stand for God. Stand with your parents for what's right. When the father will say and the mother will say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord Boy, it's a whole lot easier and, and less f- conflict and less fighting when them children come right behind and say, yes, we're with you, mom and dad. We're standing for what's true and standing for what's right. It doesn't have to be a fight in the home. I also went back not just looking at different operations that took place, Operation Desert Storm, Operation Shock and Awe, Operation Overlord. I mean, all these different operations that took place. But I also went back and I started looking at some of the greatest rally cries in history. How many like a good rally cry? 
I'm not going to ask how many were cheerleaders here, okay? Too many guys' hands would go up. That just still doesn't set right with me. I'm just not sure, okay? I am going to be a cheerleader for Jesus. I am going to try to encourage all year long for doing something for the Lord and encouraging in this battle. But listen, one of the greatest, and you go back and read and study, and there was a, it was on a website I went down and read. We get back into the Greeks and the Romans, and we get into some of the Chinese and, and some of the Japanese rally cries that there are. And to be honest with you, I just couldn't pronounce their language, so I'm not going to give them to you this morning. But one of the greatest ones that was made mention of was back during the American Revolution. The American Revolution, there were dozens of rally cries and people would rally around the the phrase, no taxation without representation. And boy, they'd rally around that. They'd rally around, join or die. Rally around, and we love this one, don't we? Don't tread on me. Boy, we love those rallying cries, don't we? We love it here in New Hampshire, live free or die. A rallying cry in New Hampshire. But can I say one that had the most significance, if you go back and read and study, none of them had the impact as Patrick Henry's speech on liberty or death. The phrase first appeared in his 1775 address which concluded with this immortal line, and many of you could quote it today, I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Of course, it raised the militias. It became the battle cry among the Minutemen down there in Massachusetts, a symbol of determination to shake off the yoke of British rule. Even Virginia Militia recruits marched under the banners of give me liberty, give me death. Even some of them, it was seen that they sewed it upon their clothing as they would go into battle was the phrase liberty or death. You say, that's what we need today. Can I say this? You may succeed as being a patriot here in America and be spiritually defeated for the rest of your life because you are more able to be able to follow a physical rallying cry than you can from the word of God where it says in Romans chapter number eight, if God be for us, who can be against us? You have it, you hear about a a Marine that would step up and listen, all a Marine has to say to another Marine is Semper Fi. And it stirs something inside of them, always faithful, always going. Something inside of them, we're living to fight another day. And we're going. Can I encourage us? There's rallying cries like, remember the Alamo. As those would step forward and fight and give their life. Can I say one of the, and and I, I, I almost back off from sharing this up here in Yankee country, but one of the top eight that were actually mentioned as rally cries was the rebel yell during the Civil War. In fact, it was said about this. This is what one man said. It was the ugliest sound that any mortal ever heard. 
even a mortal exhausted and unnerved by two days of hard fighting without sleep, without rest, without hope and without food. That was the legendary writer and Union Army veteran Ambrose Bierce description of the rebel yell. Now for us, may I bring it back over and close out in the spiritual realm. Listen, we know that there is a battle that we'll face. We better be prepared for it by spending time in prayer and with the Lord. We better be protected in battle by putting on the whole armor of God. We better have the purpose of the battle that we are to win, that we may be able to stand and to withstand and to quench. We better have that settled. And may I remind us with the rallying crowd cry today that yes, if God be for us, who can be against us? But as we look at this world that, out, that is out there, I don't believe there's two greater words that we could cherish and we could herald out to the world other than Jesus saves. Jesus saves. And we understand the preparation of the gospel of peace that we have. And I want to encourage us today, listen, Operation Stand and Quench. Some of you are active right now on the front lines of this battle. Can I encourage you today? Stand. Don't quit. Some of you may be in reserve, but you're preparing to be called up. And you may just be in the supply line that's helping someone else up there. But listen, don't quit and sit down on the job. Make sure to be that encourager to the front lines. Stay faithful to the cause that God's given to us. I want to encourage you, if you're not in the battle, get in the battle. Stand for the Lord. Tell this world about Jesus. You say, Pastor, from the sounds of it, that's just inviting the battle. Can I say this? Whether we invite it or not, it's coming. It's coming. And I believe that's what's going to take place over the next few years is where do we stand with the Lord Jesus Christ? Do we stand with the Bible? Or are we just going to be a closet Christian? Or are we going to step out there and say, yes, I believe Jesus Yes, I believe who he is. It's amazing. I had a middle seat open last Sunday right there in the airplane, Southwest Airlines. You come in and sit wherever you want to sit. Boy, it's amazing. I didn't have to say a word. Just take that Bible and put it right down there on that seat. Amazing how many people didn't sit next to me. It's amazing. Amazing. Didn't have to say a word. It's amazing the guy sitting in the, in the aisle row over here. He didn't say one word to me the whole flight. Man, we didn't get to get into conversation. We didn't get anything. Something about that Bible being put there, I believe that. Listen, you say, Pastor, just like that, it's a battle out there. And we're in the battle. Like it or not, we're in the spiritual battle. If you're a child of God, you're in it. We better stand with each other. We better help each other. Come alongside and say, hey, let me fight with you for a little, not fight you, fight with you as we stand together, as we stay true to the word of God, prepare for the battle. You say, boy, pastor, I sure know what's coming. Yeah. So get ready and stand for truth and stand for right. I know we always say there's never been a more important day and age, but I'll say this. 
we've not yet faced what it was back in the first century church. But in our lifetime right now, listen, I believe the church of the living God is of more importance than it ever has been in our lifetimes. Of gathering together, drawing strength, listen, refreshing, regrouping, re-strengthening to be able to go back out for the battle all week long. I'm asking the Lord to be able to help us with that operation stand and quench. Maybe you haven't been standing like you should and you're just giving in in some areas, husband, wife, family, individually, and you need to get back at it.